Hey everyone, welcome back to Rebuilding. Uh, this is Missy. This is Crimson. And today we are going to talk about activism. Activate. Twenty-three powers. Activate. This subject is something that's really important to both of us. Uh, Crimson, about, Crimson and I both have our roots uh, in in activism and different. Uh, I guess like just like different issues that we're really passionate about that got us off the bench and got us doing shit. Yeah. Like, um, so, I mean, the formal definition of activism is like vigorously fighting or advocating for social change. Um, and so, yeah, it's vitally important. I consider myself an activist before anything else. Um, and I think the reason we want to talk about it is because it has become, uh, I don't want to say popular in the sense that people do it because it's cool, like pop culture, <laughs> but like there are more activism activists today than ever before. And especially with younger generations, yeah. activism is like part of their foundation, which was not true for me. So Missy, what was your like first moment of activism? Like what activated you to activism? Um, well, kind of like my, I guess the first time that I became politically uh, aware, I wouldn't call myself an activist though at this point, was uh, definitely like the early 2000s, George Bush, went, George W. Bush. It is I, George W. Bush. And you're right, remember, the W stands for what's that? Was in office. And they were talking about a constitutional amendment against same-sex marriage. So that got me kind of tuned into federal politics. Uh, I started going to marches. However, I wasn't really having an impact. You know, I just felt like one voice out of a million. Right. It wasn't until I moved to Covington uh, in like 2011, 12, that era, started volunteering locally. And then I could see the impact around me in the community. And that's really when I became, you know, self-aware of, of what kind of impact you could have uh, in your neighborhood. Right. By, and, and, and I think that's something that I try to express to people so often about activism I feel like it's almost something that needs to be taught in school. Sadly, a lot of people don't have the confidence or the voice or the personality to put themselves out there, which is why I wish advocacy in some way was taught as part of like civic engagement, which is all lacking in our educational structure. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that I really enjoy, um, well, I don't know if I enjoy this, but at least for me, a lot of activism is brought about from anger. I mean, it is, it's, it's a way to, you know, you have barriers placed in front of you that are bullshit and you have to figure out a way to get around them. Uh, and that, that involves working outside of the system. A lot of times lead, follow, or get out of the way. So we've had this discussion, I think on every episode of this podcast about like how vital it is that white people stand up and are advocates for people of color. Like people of color aren't the people that are discriminating against people of color. Yeah. It's, white supremacy is something among white people. And so it's important for white people to advocate for people of color. But it's also when like the Breonna Taylor murder happened, people of color hit the streets yes. and did the activist thing, which is equally important, right? Because it shows why it's so important and it should quote unquote activate the people like within the system and the structure to see that and to see it as a calling of this is an important issue. And so the, the whole, like, I mean, some, like I've heard people within the establishment say activism is just, um, what do they call it? Um, performative politics. 
activism is just part of our infrastructure of government in America. Yeah, absolutely. And we are getting better and better at doing it. You know, you, you touched on, you know, um, you know, as far as like the anti-racism, uh, you know, movement is gone, you know, white people have definitely joined into that. But I think that the, um, the thing that's at least around here that has impressed me is that white people aren't trying to take it over. Well, actually I can't say that. Of course they are. Um, but we are at least getting better at, at pushing the message that we need to follow leaders of color. Uh, you know, I speak a lot about being gay and my experiences that way. Um, you know, I don't have any fucking, I didn't have any fucking rights until straight people got on board. But the thing that was amazing is that they respected gay people as the leaders of that movement, even though they were the massive army behind it, just because they have the numbers. You right. Know, they, they listened to us and gave us that voice. Um, and that never really happened in the anti-racism movement because of racism. You know, white people always want to be the saviors. White savior. It's got all the things white people love in movies about racism. Like that scene where they're in a bar and the white person sticks up for the black person. But it's been nice to see that dialogue happen. You know, I know I'm surrounded by my bubble and, and people of certain ages and, and ethnicities, but it's been nice to see that move. No, and I, I think that, you know, so I'm going to get all like political science nerdy on you. First time for everything. <laughs> or 10 time, whatever, <laughs> or 100 or 500. Um, but, you know, there's like, there's a theory and um, what was his name? Um, King. I think his name was Kingdom. There's a, a how to change policy theory that was written. I mean, it was like in the 80s that this guy, the political scientist came up with this theory that and people call it different things. But like, I've always thought of it as like the three streams. You had to have a problem and you had to have a policy to address the problem. And then you had to have politicians or advocates mm. to address, to pass the legislation, right? So if you want a policy to come about, you need those three streams to meet. So you got to have the problem, you got to have the solution, and you got to have the people that support it all come together. So again, it goes back to while some people may say, well, activists are just performative, they don't get anything done. It, that's the wrong way to look at it. It's like a piece of the puzzle that like makes things move forward like yeah we need that it's also sad that that democrats especially in kentucky where we are completely outnumbered uh have yet to realize that activists are our allies and instead exactly. of just like dismissing them you know we should be finding ways to bring them in and make them feel comfortable in joining our ranks if you only knew the power of the dark side uh, i really enjoy that the activism is working with uh, outside of the system to generate right. change. You know, you can be a little bit rowdier, you can cause problems. You know, you're trying to get attention. Uh, and it's, and it's I, I view it mainly as a money issue. You know, lobbyists have money. They represent right. corporations that have money, but they're not people. You know, you can have a million activists on an issue and you can have one company with a million dollars and they're going to listen to that fucking company. So right. as an activist, you can strategize. You can think outside of the box. You can get creative. You got to get, you have to be heard. And you can be louder. I mean, and we see this. There are a lot of organizations like Planned Parenthood that were born out of activism, right? Mm -hmm. That now are lobbying agents in the government. Um, but we aren't necessarily seeing much progress on that front no, as a result. But they're also able to generate an army. So, you know, exactly. Yeah, they kind of do. They have the numbers. Those worlds. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's where and why I wanted to talk about it on the podcast is because in a red state like Kentucky, where we have impassioned activists, 
And then we have a party that's losing every race. Yeah. Like there is a lot of benefit of, of bringing those worlds together. And how do we bring those worlds together? Because to your point, when you're an activist, you're accountable to anyone. I love that you said that that activists are not accountable to anybody because that brings me to my favorite subject, Amy McGrath. Uh, <laughs> oh God, here we go. I know, but like one of the biggest frustrations <laughs> and we're dealing with it now uh, is is people attacking uh, Charles Booker who, who lost to Amy McGrath for his supporters not jumping on board for him, for her. Right. But the thing that he did is he brought activists off the sidelines. He got them involved and they're not accountable to anybody except the person that they like. They liked him at the moment. She was not able to activate them to her side. This would be a great time for a trust circle. One of my goals and objectives in life and one of the reasons we're doing this podcast and one of the things we'll talk about is how to bring activists into the party. Mm-hmm. And it's great to do but it is hurting cats, right? It would be so much better. Like, oh my God, if Democrats were just power hungry and our only goal was to obtain power. Mine is. (laughs) Then you fall in line better. I mean, it just happens. You don't fall in line well, Missy. No, no. It's not like, I would not put that on your resume as a strength, okay? (laughs) Just so you know. Also, I love that we're coming at this from different angles too. You know, like you are from the world of activism, but you're also more establishment and- in the democratic Definitely. world right now. And I, uh, I started as a community activist and I, I joined the party, but I'm also very hesitant. Like I am here more to, to push, uh, to push change in a way that'll bring in more activists than I want to change myself. Right. No. And, and I, I was the same way, like my entry into County politics or like the establishment for me, I fell in love with our chair what you learn when you get in it is it's all a whole bunch of activists that are kind of either straddling both or are tired of like hitting the streets and are working hard in the backgrounds of like building it. Cause like going back to the theory of like the three things, the three streams that need to connect. (laughs) Just think of like a weird urethra and like pee going everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) There's something very important. I forgot to tell you what, don't cross the streams. Um, but yeah, you. the one thing that lacks in activism is the policy part. And that's where the politicians come in. And that's where, so like, if you think about activism as like, you know, people pushing for a, a specific cause, mm-hmm. the party, they have a totally different role in that the party is, is an apparatus that's trying to obtain power and they're obtaining that power in hopes to push the policy. Like if you're so detached from your party as an activist, like then those policies aren't going to matter to the party and they're going to push them. Yeah. But if it's an issue that the party is really into or the party sees like an activist movement and realizes they need to pivot and embrace those policies. It all kind of like meshes together. But I think what happens is that as an activist, you get so impassioned. Like, I mean, the war is a perfect example, right? Like, I think it would have been very hard to suck me into the political apparatus at that time because I did not think Democrats were doing enough to fight against the war. Like, when they signed the Patriot Act, when they, you know, like, all of those things. I mean, Democrats were not fighting the war. There were very few. 
that Bernie Sanders voted against the war? Did anyone else? Like, no, I mean, because Democrats are pussies. <laughs> so at the time, you could imagine, like, I was not, I would have never joined the party because I would have been like, no, you guys voted for the war. Yeah. And, you know, like, I, that, I'm against it. And so it's really hard to expect people that are really passionate about an issue to merge with people that are passionate about multiple issues and have like more of the long game in their mind yeah, than the people that are on the ground trying to fight for certain issues. So like here in Kentucky, we have Brianna's law, right? That we want to pass and activists are pushing it really hard. And I don't know where the party like stands on it. I haven't seen much movement from the party on that particular legislation. Like in reference to the state party? Any, even at the county. Like, I mean, we're not doing anything in Campbell County to push that law. And it's crazy because, you know, we just talked about how activists uh, aren't really connected with policy. and, And we have rock star legislators in Kentucky like Attica Scott who are riling up their own armies and getting these right. people to push for policy and the rest of the party just can't get on board. But I think eventually they'll catch up, right? Like I think, but then the moment's gone, you know, we have a 30 day right. general assembly or session, right? It is true at a local level, like at a state level, it, yeah. it is hard because especially when you're in a hyper minority yeah. to get any movement on any of these but I think that is something that's also lost from an activist point of view. And I do this often. I mean, it's like right now at the federal level, right? It's like, we need to fix COVID. We want $15 minimum wage. We want like our laundry list is quite long. Yeah. Of things that we want and we want it now because we've been to your point, the last four years has just been gut punch after gut punch after gut punch. And we're angry and we're all kind of in the activist mindset right now of like, we need to do it all. But then when I like step back, I'm like, holy shit, there is so much that we need to do. There are so many plates spinning. It is a tall order and it is an unreasonable expectation to get it all done immediately. Right. But it's hard to be patient. So like I empathize with both sides in that like Biden can't save the world in 35 days, but yeah, I'm sick of the world not being saved in 35 days. I, I think I think when we break this down, um, that making it local is like really where we can bring people in, because exactly you know, your voice is really lost on the federal level. But if you can get like you know, if we were a rep in Louisville, uh, you know, like there's a ton of activists there that are that are you know, like you said around Brianna's law, right? Um, you know, here in Kenton, we need to figure out what are people here in Kenton passionate about, and we can't mm-hmm. do everything in the world, but maybe we can make a list of our top three things we want to accomplish. And if we can make one of those things something that these activists can latch onto, we can pull them in and we can still go after two things that we're passionate about as a party. Right. You know, we just we and, need to merge our goals. Yeah. And what I have found is when you pull in those activists, a lot of them have such diverse talent and yes. such diverse perspectives and and it only makes us stronger. They're doers. And so it, 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 they're the doers. And if we could pull more of them into the party, more people like you and me and a lot of people we know that are activists at heart that have joined the party, not only do you get that kind of level of like, this is what we want out of policy, but you also get the energy and the passion that activists carry with them that I think is so vital 
to pushing the establishment of the party forward. Absolutely. Like, but it, you have to have that. So we need to get, so we need activists and uh, we need to get them a seat at the table. Exactly. In order to do that. Uh, you know, if they're, if they're a lobbying group, they can purchase their seat at the table. Uh, but like you said, like with Black Lives Matter back in like 2015, 2016, they were just still figuring out, they were just a slogan. They were, right, they were a slogan exactly. built around a movement. You know, they weren't yet an organization and we need to find a way to pull in people that aren't fully that aren't fully organized into the party because that's that's how it is at the local level. Right. You know, people in neighborhoods are pissed off. They don't have a neighborhood organization and they don't know what kind of policy they want from their city governments, but the city government has to find a way to talk to those people. Exactly. Well, and and the party, like yes. as a chair of Campbell County, I feel like that's one of my responsibilities mm-hmm. is like talking to those people and listening more than talking. Yeah. And, and, and trying to be that inviting voice of like, come join me. Like, like we have the apparatus, we have the system, we have monthly meetings, we have subcommittees, we do the research, we pull in the people we need, we recommend policy. We like, we've built the apparatus that's here. And you may not, I'm a proud Democrat. I, I've (laughs) been a Democrat my whole life. I am as Democrat as they come. I'm I'm proud that you're a Democrat. Thank you. But uh, I think that like if we can get rid of that mirage of like that it's more at the local level. I don't think we can get rid of the mirage unless people enter at a very local level. In order to bring people to the table, though, we need to. And this is something that we've talked about offline within our own parties. Um, you know, our parties are not diverse. Uh, you know, when I show up to my executive county meetings, there's there's maybe one or two people of color. Um, and I know just, uh, you know, as, as a minority in other situations, when I walk into a building and I'm the only gay person, um, I'm often put into that token role. So I think it's on the county parties to, uh, to educate themselves. So it's like a welcoming environment. You know, right. if we want to attract more Black people, we need to, uh, you know, we don't, I was in a meeting once, maybe like two months ago, and we were talking about diversity and someone said, well, we need to get more black people to join so they can teach us. And oh, no. it's not, it's not their fucking responsibility. We need to have a welcoming environment where we are already educated on issues. Uh, so we can, you know, we need to, we need to have a ground floor. Right. No, we need to have like a level setting of expectations and, how we confront the hard issues of our time and unfortunately there's a lot of uncomfortable conversations i mean that's what we're doing with this podcast right is like opening the door to the uncomfortable conversations and trying to normalize that because i think one of the keys to fixing a lot of these issues is to just not be defensive right (laughs) like a lot of times these issues come up and it's so easy to be offended like when people call me establishment i don't get offended and be like whatever i've fought for this and did this. i'm like well, well i'm the chair of a county party i think I'm it depends kinda... on who's doing it though because if you're a minority and it's like if you're an activist and you hear someone within the party say something offensive towards a minority group you're automatically mm-hmm. going to take a step back we talked about doing like an anti-racism trading or diversity trading for our parties Right. You know, just stop them from doing the microaggressions that are just going to turn people off and make them think that they just they just don't get it. Right. You know, you can have the best of intentions, but if you, you know, keep calling something gay, I'm going to sit there and think that you're a fucking idiot and I'm not, I'm not going to come back. Right. 
Right. No, I mean, it's about that inclusion, inclusive environment and just safe environment of feeling like you can speak. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the battle, too, is that a lot of people, you know, I'm loud as fuck. I run my mouth too much. Like I talk too much. Everyone knows this. <laughs> but um, and and I underestimate how hard that is for other people. Right. And so I have this expectation like, well, if you're if you want to get involved in politics you're probably loud mouth and you'll put yourself out there but that's not true yeah. that's absolutely not true there's a lot of people that have a hard time using their voice they want to do good work they want to push the party forward but they don't want to have to go to meetings and like fight people on i can't believe you just said that like you just confuse the two latinos on the committee because they're Latino, like yeah. they don't want to have to fight that battle every call. Like they don't want to have to do that. Um, and so it is a lot about how to make it more inviting. But I think that if it in a perfect world, if all of that was done, a lot of it is also communicating to people why the party matters yeah. and why we need to get over this idea of like, there's like the party establishment and everyone else when at the end of the day everyone else whether they like it or not are feeding into the party because that's how we know where the passion is right like if black lives matters didn't spend the whole summer fighting for racial equality it wouldn't be talked about it would it would be swept under the rug like it has been for decades and so we're all intertwined we're all connected in that way and so if we could parlay the energy and i think you know charles booker is a perfect example of this right like he's an activist at heart but mm -hmm. he's also in the establishment he was a state house rep he worked in the government yeah he's part of the party he he does all of it like and i think if I had to guess, if I asked him, I bet he would say like activism's vital. We have to use our voice, but to get the policy passed, we have to have the party and like those things have to come together more. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people talk about division among Democrats and I don't think we're that divided. I mean, I really don't. I think the division comes from a lack of understanding of where our roles are and how they're different, but how we can leverage each other in the right ways and finding those people that can straddle both roles to kind of represent the activism energy with writing good policy and getting good politicians and having good political strategy to win seats for the power attainment part. Right. Yeah. Because like, we suck at that. Democrats suck at the power. Part. I mean, we are super, I think we're super divided. Well, not always. I think it depends on the situation, maybe the candidate or the campaign, you know? Yeah, no, like on different candidates. I mean, 2016, like Hillary and Bernie, you know, Hillary was not able to bring on Bernie's people. Uh, I think the problem is when, when candidates, uh, you know, we go back to authentic authenticity and framing all the time. Uh, when a right. candidate's able to bring in new people, people that aren't normally interested in party politics, but they are interested in, in issues, you know, like Bernie did. Um, we have to be ready to accept those people and, and change and bend and pivot in order to bring them on. Uh, right. And find a way to, 
I don't want to say leverage them because it sounds like they're like something to use, but yeah, you got to leverage their skill set, leverage their voice, leverage their strengths. You have to show to make us better. Yeah. Why is it, you know, you love this person for reason X. Um, you know, we need you still, you know, we're going to give you something, you know, to jump on with. Right. Did that in 2019 with the governor's race that we've talked about, you know, it was a, it was a heated primary with three candidates and everyone got on board with Andy Bashir afterwards. And we fell apart in 2020 with uh, Amy McGrath and Charles Booker, which I love to talk about. And it's because Amy, (laughs) Oh really? (laughs) Amy, people turned them off. Like, you know, like for me, there, we need to align common goals with activists, you know, and this is me talking as like a Democrat in the party system. Who's trying to bring more people in. You know, what are you interested in? How can I show you that that's something that we're working on within the party? And then the goal number two is just to turn them off. Right. The microaggressions. Don't say the bullshit. Hold it up. The party got her own people. Hold it up. Right. And and that's interesting that you say that because one of the campaigns that we're starting in Campbell County to recruit new members um, is when someone newly registers or um, someone's new to the community, reach out to them and ask them to take a survey about what issues they're passionate about, right? So that way we can meet them where they're at. Like, oh, you're passionate about environmental policies. Well, we haven't really worked on environmental policies. That's something you could lead. That's something that, you know, we could build an army for you to help lead with your ideas. And it's also about empowerment, I guess. Right. And, and bringing people in and hearing them and empowering them to use their voice, empowering them to take, you know, actually we had a guest come to our County meeting uh, this month. Um, She had contacted me and was like, I think I need to get involved in, in party politics. And, um, I'm like, just come to a meeting and see what you think. And she came to a meeting and she sent me a message afterwards. And she was like, I loved it. Like I, I want in, I, what do I need to do? And, but I don't want to step on anyone's toes. So if like, there's no seats on the executive committee, I don't want to like take someone who's earned it. And I'm like, no, no. Like you are a law school student. You're young, you have energy, you're ambitious you're passionate about your causes. Like if you want a seat at the table, you fight for it. You don't, you don't wait your turn in line. That's not how this should work. Like you fight for it. You use your voice and fight for it. And you will have the support of people because that's what we want, right? Like come in and be, be yourself. And, and it's our job to be receptive to that, right? It's our job to not be like, oh my God, that person's so aggressive. And oh my God, like, is it going to be hard to manage such a strong personality? And it's our job to be like, hell yeah. Like that is an awesome human being that has a lot to bring to the table. And unfortunately, yes, she's going to have to advocate for herself to get a seat probably if it's competitive. But again, to be in politics, you have to be a natural advocate. Yeah, if you do the work, um, they put up with a lot of shit, as I have uh, found out. Well, free labor, (laughs) it's a powerful thing. It is, uh, you know, all the work we do, we don't get paid for. And I do it full time. I mean, I I basically work 30 hours a week, if not more, depending on the time of year, on this stuff. And I have to turn down paid gigs for me to be focused on this stuff but it's worth it 
because we are at a critical moment in the world. I mean, we just had a white supremacist leave the White House. Like, if that wasn't a call to action to break down these barriers of stereotypes of what the establishment means, what progressive, moderate, all, I don't give a shit about any of that. I genuinely don't. It's not that I don't recognize progressive beliefs. It's not that I don't recognize moderate's beliefs. It's not, it's that we just need to put our head down and fucking work. It's about getting the work done. It's about being focused. It's about like the doers. And if we keep doing, we're going to get to the end result all of us want. But we can't let ourselves get caught up on the bullshit in between. And that's hard. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is hard. I mean, it is part of it, but it's like, any but the job. Democrats also have to realize that they've created a lot of this bullshit. And I think that's part of the problem. You know, we need to show people, um, I don't know, I guess that it's different or that they're welcome or that we understand their issues because, or that we want to elevate their voice that they get to be, that they have a voice at yeah. the table that's equal to mine. Right. Like, we need to be that inclusive group where we are all equal at that table. Yeah. Everyone's voice matters as much as each the other person's voice and truly living that value. Because I think, you know, we talk about authenticity and framing. It's no different than in real life, right? Yes. Like if you go to you, let's say you're a person of color and you're like, oh. I'm going to try this politics thing because I'm super impassioned about this issue and I need to get engaged. And you go to the meeting and no one ever lets you speak and nobody wants to hear your mm -hmm. voice and nobody is going to like actually embrace what you're saying. You're not going to come back. Or if any time you say something on Twitter, someone with the state party attacks you. Like, I know I'm saying I mean, that seriously. No, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, it becomes extremely difficult. And I'll be honest, there was a Twitter exchange recently. And I got a text from someone on my EC that was like, what the hell is going on? And they were like, I like, why did they just why did our party just tweet this out? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I lost a member like they aren't going to run again because of uh, what was tweeted. It was not good. Um, and it, that is part of the problem is that it needs to be a unified thing or people need to be able to compartmentalize that doesn't represent Campbell County. That doesn't represent Kenton County. That doesn't, you know what I mean? Like yeah. at the end of the day, the way that the party structured is we're all accountable to each other, not the top right like we can't be fired by the state party we can be fired by yeah, our committee yeah and I mean, so it's, you have to be willing to take that unfortunately in kentucky you have to be willing to take that shit from the state party uh if you want to give your time for free at the local level yeah we need right. to stop attacking our allies no we do and we need to unite with our allies in a way that elevates their voice over our own yeah and and i don't know how to do that <laughs> i don't i don't either we need to find better ways to and maybe not even have disagreements but just stop from arguing and listen you know the one thing that right. comes to mind is uh you know when when covid pushed back the primaries last year um you know in i believe it was uh what fayette county had one voting location 
or or Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah. Jefferson. Yeah. yeah. And you know, LeBron James put out a tweet that there was voter suppression, um, which which is true. I mean, when was the last Kentucky election where there was not some sort of voter suppression? Um, but you know, I had a lot of friends down there that were like, "We've been suppressed for decades." You know, it really sucks to have the Democrats come out and say, "Hey, this didn't happen," because it completely made them feel like like their voices were just dismissed. Right. And you know, I can see that. sitting up here in Kenton County, I, you know, I get on Facebook and I see a bunch of people on my EC that have very strong opinions about this without living down there, without talking to anybody down there, um, and without, I don't know, really listening. And it just, it, it automatically turns off other people in the area. Well, again, it goes back to that defensiveness. Our natural reaction shouldn't be to defend it. It should be to hear it. Yeah. Like just listen. And that's coming from someone that talks too much. Yeah. No, you're right though on that. Yeah. If we just need to listen, react less, just take in information. Ask right. questions. And I, we just need to ask questions. I mean, I don't know if it's like, I'm just so self-defeating that I just assume I'm wrong and I assume yeah. that <laughs> I know nothing. Um, so I, I have an easier time not getting defensive about things. But um, I am sometimes so impressed by someone's ability to be so confident on something as to override someone's feelings mm. or perceptions, yeah. you know, like, I mean, it's like therapy 101, right? Perceptions are people's reality. Perception. It's all about perception. We have to acknowledge that as human beings, like our people's perceptions are what we need to hear about because that's their reality. And it may not be my perception. It may not be my reality, but that doesn't undermine theirs. All right, so we need to align common goals. Yes. Uh, not not piss off the newcomers. Uh, it's cool when Democrats argue with with each other. You know, we make our arguments better. We make ourselves better. We make our strategies better. But when we're trying to attract new people, maybe uh, cut that out with them. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, put them to work. Right. And, and leverage their talents and empower them i think that's the key is empowerment right making people feel empowered because they have you know a lot of people join executive committees or even mom's man action like activist groups and they're like wow i didn't know anyone else in the world felt the way i did like i felt like i was just in a red state and alone and just having someone that would listen to them and then camaraderie (laughs) means a lot to them and so we have to we had to find a way to be open to the passions of our activists and to listen to them without getting defensive and to parlay what they're saying using our political expertise, because we are within the establishment of parlaying those into quality candidates and quality policy proposals that we advocate for. So that way we can continue being activists, but we're being activists and act, and advocating for very specific policies that are going to progress us versus focusing on the problem. We would be focusing on the solution. And that's really where I see like the difference. The activists are like, Hey, this is a problem. Why isn't anyone acknowledging it? And it's the party's responsibility to say, Hey, we hear you. We see you. Let's dive into how we can fix this from a policy perspective. Yes. I love it. All right. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, people listening, please consider joining your local party. We're about to reorg. That starts in March. So that's and if you like don't want to join, now. reach out and tell them why you don't. Give them yeah. feedback. The seven things I hate about you.
I am a chair of a county party and I would take negative feedback. It doesn't have to always be positive. Like I can handle it. I'm an adult. Um, I am imperfect. The party is imperfect. We have lots of imperfections, but we can't improve upon them if we don't know about them. Here's an itemized list of 30 years of disagreements. Sweet Jesus. You know, we're trying to get someone to babysit our kids for free and we don't want to take advice about how shitty our fucking kids are. Exactly. It's a very good way to put it. Missy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys all so right. much for listening. We appreciate all of your time. Yes, so much. And get involved or tell us why you aren't. So that way I can help get people involved. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Come help us do the work for free. All right. Have a Peace good out, one, guys. Folks. Bye. So you say you gotta know why the world goes around and you can't find the truth in the things you've found and you're scared shitless because evil abounds. Come join us.